0: Welcome to the Muscles and Veggies Fitness Podcast. This is where you get nutrition, health, fitness, performance, all perfectly packaged together in a bite-sized podcast to help educate and motivate you to stay on your fitness journey. Before we get started today, uh, I would like to say that I'm not a medical professional. I do not provide medical advice. You're simply viewing an entertainment show uh, talked to you by a personal trainer who's given you his experience and knowledge and insight over over dealing with clients over the last 10 years. So today we're talking about blood glucose. Do you know what your blood glucose is? How would you unless you measured it? So we have to understand uh, why that blood glucose and monitoring it is important. So you can look back at old labs, and if you notice, every time a doctor does old labs, or any labs, not just old, but they do a fasting glucose, and oftentimes they'll do an HbA1c. Fasting glucose is simply how it sounds. You haven't ate anything overnight. You're going to get your labs drawn, usually first thing in the morning, and they're looking at that fasting glucose number. Okay, so how high is your blood sugar after you haven't eaten anything? The HbA1c, however, is a look back of the last 90 days in your blood, and they have a way to measure what the average is over glucose over the last 90 days. pretty incredible whoever found this, that they could um, get an average over the last 90 days of what your blood glucose is. That will really give you a good number between those two labs on how close you are trending to pre-diabetes or diabetes. So why should we care in the fitness community? Why should we care if we're striving for fat loss? Um, well, because the level at which glucose stabilizes can give us a really good clue on how well or how unwell our body is utilizing, storing, and metabolizing glucose and also fat. Because we cannot uh, be a really good fat burner if... We are primarily relying on glucose, um, and the body gets really reliant on that. That can be a huge problem. Okay, not only that, but when glucose is high for a long period of time, uh, hormones tend to get dysregulated, and we can run into some inflammation problems, uh, things like that. So, that's why we want to talk about this today. So a simple breakdown of glucose metabolism and fat burning, just so you can understand, like this is an, a really great way to view this in your mind because it helps us to make better decisions when we know what our physiology is doing on the inside. So how do we store fat? Well, it, it actually revolves around a hormone called insulin. What stimulates insulin? Glucose stimulates insulin. Can you store fat in? even though you're not eating glucose? Yeah, sure, but it's a lot harder because protein and fats do not stimulate insulin as much as glucose does, okay? So you could look at it this way. Glucose high in the bloodstream leads to high insulin. Insulin is the fat storage hormone. So therefore, we start cramming glucose in excess. In other words, glucose we're not using or utilizing, we store it in the fat cells. Okay, this is why I preach so much about uh, building a lot of muscle. Because guess what else utilizes a lot of glucose besides the brain and the liver? The primary organ is the muscle tissue. So the more muscle mass you have, uh, you store much more glucose in the muscle in the form of glycogen. And that leads to lower insulin, which is why you see muscular guys, really muscular gals and guys normally have pretty regulated blood glucose lower insulin and therefore they are leaner okay now low glucose on the opposite hand so when you're really managing your glucose well low glucose leads to another hormone that's called glucagon glucagon pulls fat out of the cell okay so now you can see a a double-edged sword of why we want our insulin to be low because glucagon and insulin are like two competing nemesis right so like uh when glucagon is high insulin insulin is low when insulin is high glucagon is low all right so if you understand that picture we want our glucagon to be high therefore we're we're really managing our blood glucose well well how do you do that how do you really manage your glucose well and keep your insulin low if you're just taking a shot in the dark and hoping that Well, I hope my glucose is low. I hope my insulin is low because that will make me a better fat burner, okay? Well, you have to, I like to test and not guess, and you have to know how to do that. So a really simple tool that we've been using uh, with my clients for years is just a simple $20 Walgreens glucose monitor, okay? Uh, You can easily get the test strips and a little monitor. And all you have to do is wake up first thing in the morning, roll out of bed, um, use the bathroom, and the first thing you do is test your fasting blood glucose. I like to see that number anywhere from 75 to, let's say, 90 or 95. Uh, If it's much higher than that, I start to get a little worried for my client. If it's like over 95, over 100, over 110, let's just put it this way, if you're over 120, Um, that is classified as pre-diabetes. If you have a fasting blood glucose over 120. Um, If you have an HbA1c that's over 6.3, that is considered diabetic at that point. So uh, you look back at your old labs, if you've never done a glucose monitor, look back at those old labs and see where you sat um, every time you got your labs done with your doctor. And you, you know, there's also like not only just a, a, a finger prick glucose monitor, now there's also CGIs, So these wearable uh, continuous glucose monitors, um, did I say CGI, I meant CGN. So these you can wear and they'll, you can track them on your phone. It's super interesting data because what they're finding basically is that everyone is so individual. Oh, shocker. You mean we're not all the same. We all respond differently to different foods uh, so this is where bioindividuality conversation comes into nutrition. We have to understand that uh, there mm-hmm. is no one-size-fits-all approach when it comes to um, nutrition and our food plans. Okay? Mm-hmm. So we have to understand that wearing these CG, CGMs gives us a really good outlook at how blood glucose is affecting me as an individual. Now, high blood glucose over time. Uh, chronically, the reason we're having this conversation just beside, let's just set fat burning aside and your aesthetic goals aside, uh, higher glucose chronically leads to higher inflammation, higher risk of diabetes, obviously, but what about higher risk of dementia and Alzheimer's, uh, heart disease, obesity, metabolic syndrome, hormone dysfunction, joint problems, and even your eyesight, even your eyesight can be affected by High levels of blood glucose in the blood, so dementia and alzheimer's let's just talk about that for a second is nobody wants to take the risk of getting that in their later years. Uh, dementia has actually been classified as, by some doctors as type three diabetes, and that's because they can prove it's a dysregulation of blood glucose in the brain, okay, so that's what, kind of why we're having this conversation today is I think it's really important to have this blood glucose conversation. If if it's similar to this, you may be thinking, Zach, uh, I'm not a diabetic. Those tools like blood glucose monitors and stuff, th- that's all for diabetic people, right? Well, look at it this way. Do you, you may not have high blood pressure, but do you get your blood pressure drawn here and there? Yeah, you do. You wear that blood pressure cuff and you want to see what that number is, okay? Look at it the same way. That just involves a finger prick or that wearable on your arm to know what your blood glucose is doing because guess what it's easier to protect yourself against these things if you know what the numbers are how do i protect myself you know how do i protect myself against high blood glucose if i have no idea what my blood glucose is doing or responding to certain foods so that's why i want to open up this conversation and really think about uh, monitoring blood glucose And it doesn't have to be every day, but once a week, once a month, uh, it's check in with your fasting blood glucose. Uh, Probably wouldn't want to do it after the night after you have like you know pizza and a beer or something like that. That that may be a super high number. However, we shouldn't you know we should be doing this on on a normal basis during like the times that we're really dialed in with eating. And the reason why is because that will really tell the story. If you're eating really clean and your blood glucose is still high, we've got some problems and we need to address those problems. Now, if you're eating really clean and your blood glucose is in that range I talked about between 75 and 95 when you wake up and maybe never goes above 140 after your meal, okay, we're doing pretty good. You know, That's a, that's a pretty good baseline uh, I'll put it this way. Let's say you're, um, you're struggling to get that last 10 or 20 pounds off. Okay. You've, you've done some really good work up to this point, but now you're down to the nitty gritty and you're trying to sque- squeeze the last little bit out of the orange, uh, the last 10 or 20%. I can tell you right now, if you wake up and your blood glucose is not at a, a real stable level between 75, 85, 75, and I us say 87, um, then you're going to have a really hard time squeezing that last 10 or 20 pounds off to hit your goal weight. Um, So this is where like over the last few years, you know, people have talked um, in depth about the keto diet and about these different, I call them labels, right? Let's just take keto and paleo and these names of things and just set them aside for a second. What we are really talking about here is managing blood glucose by eating whole real foods. Okay. So if we set the the terms like I'm keto or I'm paleo or I'm vegan or whatever we set those things aside um we then we actually can just focus on the, the 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 main thing is is I'm really focused on balancing my blood glucose by not eating processed foods and and eating more real whole foods. So let's let's talk for a second about nutrition now that we've kind of opened up that door. <clears throat> let's say you've identified that you have higher glucose um, and you're kind of a little bit concerned about your fasting blood glucose that you're seeing on the monitor, or you know you already have prediabetes or diabetes. What are some things that you can do to balance it? And you may be thinking, you mean we don't need a med? Yes, you're correct. We don't need a med to do that. So you um, you don't need drugs to lower your blood glucose. We can do this very easily, naturally, with food choices, okay? Um, so let's talk about the, I have four tools for you. Number one is a no-brainer. Eat low-carb, especially on days that you're very sedentary or inactive. Um, why? Remember, our muscles utilize blood glucose, so we don't want to be... Um, we don't want to be eating a lot of blood glucose if our muscles are not moving and we're we're traveling that day. Maybe we're on an airplane or we're driving somewhere. Those are the days that I'm really, well, I'll just say it. I'm keto on those days or or I'm fasting on those days because I just don't need a lot of energy. I don't need a lot of blood glucose circulating around. Because I'm not doing anything, okay? So especially on your inactive days, cut white bread, white pasta, chips, crackers, potatoes, rice, all forms of starch, uh, even fruits. Um, Maybe you could get away with a little berries here and there. But what we're really doing is eliminating anything that spikes blood glucose on inactive days. Uh, We're eating low carb. I, I don't care what you want to call it. You can call it whatever label you want. But we're just managing blood glucose On those days, and this is this is probably one of the most valuable tools uh, to understand on a normal basis. As you look at your week, I train in the gym Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, right? I know those are going to be a higher carb day for me because I'm not only working, I'm training in the gym. I've got other things going on. I'm working around the farm here. Um, those are the days that I know I'm going to utilize more carbohydrates. Now, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, those are days that I'm usually sitting around. I'm enjoying uh, company with friends. Um, I'm, I'm not doing a whole lot. Every once in a while, I'll go mountain biking on those days. But my point is, is that you look at your week, identify the days that you're less active and more active, and then adjust your carbohydrates accordingly to those days. I'm not dogmatic and like, oh my gosh, we have to go completely no carb or whatever just to manage our blood glucose i don't feel like that's the the answer either um and no you know no uh, hard feelings between anybody who does right it's it's we all have remember we're bio individual we all have to figure out for ourselves what uh works for us and i'm just a tour guide i'm just touring you through the muse- museum you get to really experience and kind of figure out what you like the best and what works for you okay Number two tool, okay, save carbs, if at all, because it's not absolutely necessary, but save your carbs for after a hard training session, okay? Uh, There's a couple reasons why. Uh, First reason, let's talk about stress. So uh, fight or flight activation in a really hard workout stimulates cortisol, okay? One of the best ways, besides what I talk about in the gym, stretching and breathing after your workout session to bring you out of that fight or flight state, to bring you back into rest and digest, one of the best ways is to eat carbohydrates. And that's because carbohydrates actually suppress cortisol, okay? And this is where we start to talk about in the conversation, like doing keto or doing too much fasting especially for someone who's already dealing with a high amount of stress, um, this can be very cortisol-driven. And this can cause hormonal dysregulation and hormone problems. Uh, this can cause your blood glucose just to be naturally higher anyway, even though you're not eating a bunch of carbs. Because why? Because cortisol is a glucocorticoid steroid. Okay, So, that means that it is a glucose driven hormone it has the ability in excess to raise your blood glucose i don't care if you're eating no carbs okay so we have to understand that we we really need to manage stress and one of the ways we do that is with carbohydrates so if you have your stress dialed in it's not absolutely necessary that you have to have carbs after a workout but you better have that stress dialed in and you better know what you're doing and monitor your blood glucose, Um, and, and also eat very accordingly, lots of protein, things like that, that will refill glycogen stores and, like, recover you for the next workout. The second reason why we just mentioned it is glycogen. So, after a hard workout, we've depleted a lot of the glucose that's stored in our muscle mass. So, we want to refuel that for our next workout. And like I just said, part of the ways you can do that besides carbohydrates is eating in excess of protein. Uh, this will refill glycogen stores as well. If you're trying to do a low carb thing or a no carb thing, uh, eat definitely do not skimp on protein uh, when you're when you're going through those uh, phases. But the other thing you can do is is save your carbohydrate rich meals, like especially with family and friends, where you know. That you're gonna have those carbs. Save those for after hard training sessions. So, I'll give you an example. Sometimes, like if I know I have a get together with friends or family, and I know I'm probably gonna eat a little more carbs than I normally do. Um, for instance, one of my my very good friends, she makes me gluten free treats, and it's very sweet of her. She uh, makes them from scratch. I love them. Uh, and so every time I get together with her for dinner and I, I know that's coming. So lot, oftentimes I'll mountain bike or I'll lift that day. Uh, I'll actually perform a workout just based on the fact that I know I want to utilize that extra sugar I'm about to eat in the form of muscle glycogen rather than have it circulate around my bloodstream and raise my insulin um, and therefore lead to a little bit of higher inflammation and even the possibility of fat storage. Okay, so let's go to number three here. Let's talk about intermittent fasting. Uh, Practice intermittent fasting on non-workout days. Okay, so I don't recommend people if you especially if you train very hard. Now, if you're just like going in the gym, going through the motions that day, you can totally uh, get an intermittent fast in that day till noon or one or two or whatever it is. But if you're training hard, I do not recommend that you intermittent fast uh, on those days. Again, we're watching cortisol and stress. Okay, A great day for intermittent fasting is a day when you're traveling, you're on an airplane, you're in the car all day. Uh, you're on the computer all day, those are great days that we can get an intermittent fast in because we're just not utilizing a lot of energy, so we don't need to take in a lot of energy, okay? So practice intermittent fasting, and what do I mean by practice? That just means that I'm trying to get better at utilizing fat storage and and being okay without glucose. I can promise you, every time you've ever had any type of shaky, weird, hypoglycemic feeling, it's not because you didn't eat enough fat or it 's not because you didn't um, you <laughs> it's it 's not because of any other reason than you your body is craving and utilizing glucose so maybe if you have hypoglycemic episodes, you might want to take a look at that because that just basically tells me as a coach that you 're not very good at burning fat because we should be metabolically flexible to where when uh those times come that we're not eating we don't have meltdowns we just simply transition into fat burning and you know pat yourself on the back if you're hungry that's a normal human emotion that doesn't mean we have a meltdown right commercialism has told us that oh my gosh i'm hungry i have to pull over at the next gas station or the next fast food place and i have to get something to eat no pat yourself on the back when you're hungry you are, you are experiencing a natural human feeling, and that's okay. You're burning fat right now, and you're actually training your body to make that switch from glucose utilization into fat utilization. So if the water is still not doing it, and what I mean by that is if you're drinking water in between meals or in, in while you're fasting, and it's not making the feeling go away of hunger, Then you might want to look at, okay, I'm not, I'm not quite there yet. And that's why we're talking about practicing fasting. Okay. So then you can, you know, maybe eat a little bite of something or, you know, and see if that feeling goes away. But the reason I say practice is because work your way up to where you can do an effortless 24 hour fast. We should be able to go from dinner to dinner without eating any calories and be pretty okay. You know, no meltdowns, no, like have to take a nap or anything like that. So if you can't do that, I'm a little bit worried as a coach that we we kind of stink at burning fat and we need to we need to get better at burning fat and balancing blood glucose, okay? And lastly, number four, and this is kind of a bonus one, um, you know, make, to make it easier on yourself, just think, I'm gonna cut out all white carb sources, okay? I'm only gonna eat colorful carbs. And this is simple, you know, think about it like this. It's mostly all the white carbs that are boring: uh, rice, potatoes, you know, oatmeal, um, bread, and most of these things. If you look about the, think about this logically, they're they they're not good by themselves. It's the things we put on them that make them something we look forward to. How often do you just grab a piece of white bread and you're like, mm, "This is good by itself," or a bowl of plain oatmeal or a bowl of plain rice? It's oftentimes the things that we put on these things that make them enjoyable and something that we crave. So stick with colorful carbs, sweet potatoes, squashes, fruits, berries. These are, when you do have carbs, these are your best carb sources. They're low glycemic. They don't spike your blood sugar through the roof in most cases. And they will keep your insulin uh, at a low rate. Listen... uh, Two things: If you like what you're hearing on this podcast, please leave me a review. You can do that in two ways: You can leave me a review on the podcast player you're listening to, or you can also go to Google Places and leave me a review. That helps people find my personal training uh, here in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Also, Thorn Supplements. If you would like to use the supplements that I use with all my clients, all you have to do shoot me a DM on Instagram or an email. Whatever it is, I'll give you a 25% discount. Uh, you will be like a client of mine, which basically means that uh, when you log into your Thorn account, you will have a discount all the time. No codes required, nothing. It's my client invite list, and they allow me to give my clients 25% off all the time. So if you'd like to join that list, please send, shoot me a DM with your email or send me an email, and I'll get you added to the list so you can use the supplements that my clients use best in the market. Thorn Supplements is used by the USA Olympic teams. It's used by the Golden State Warriors. The Mayo Clinic, okay, folks, the Mayo Clinic uses Thorn Supplements. There's a reason why. These are the best supplements in the game. So, listen, I know I'm a little over today. We're at 23 minutes. Thank you for spending time with me. I hope this helped you get a good understanding of blood glucose. Uh, If you have topics, questions, anything you would like me to cover on this show, please reach out to me at musclesandveggies.com. Shoot me an email, DM me on Instagram or Facebook. Until next time, I'll see you later on the Muscles and Veggies Fitness Podcast.